Mean Gene Okerlund. Why should you care about him if you didn't grow up in the 80s? <laughs> well, Mean Gene Okerlund was the voice of the WWF, which is what existed before it became sports entertainment and became rebranded as WWE, which sounds like a version of ecstasy given to limp dick wrestlers coked out of their gourd needing some sustained stiffage stimulation when fisting up the anus hole fails to get the job done. <laughs> so Mean Gene Oakland had this voice that sounded as if it was coated in honey flavored whiskey and he would bring to life these larger than life characters by shoving a mic in front of their face but also giving them a classy voice of reason to work off of. <laughs> now, we were talking about Macho Man, we talked about Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Brent the Hitman, he use all the help he can get, <laughs> but Mean Gene injected class, charisma, old world gentlemanness to all the broadcasts. He did wonders with the Iron Sheik, Roddy Roddy Piper. And then, and these wrestlers, you know, what really made it big, I mean, it wasn't just their athletic prowess in the ring. It was the promos that dialed up the drama that got everyone emotionally invested into these characters. And Mean Gene was in the center of it all. So to learn that Mean Gene Okerlund, through some YouTube channel, to find out from Diamond Dallas Page, mention a half if there ever was one, help uh, Jake the Snake Roberts get sober. He's got this like yoga video, which I need to get myself already. But he says that it broke his heart. He said that there were Outside of like the one guy from like the Nasty Boys, I forget his name, and Diamond Dallas Page, there was nobody of any brand name recognition that attended his funeral. And, you know, I bring this up when I'm in a record store in, in Rhinebeck this past week with my kids. And I don't remember why I made a wrestling reference. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because he was actually reading a wrestling magazine. <laughs> And we already established the fact that this guy was definitely Generation X, probably a little bit older than me. So I found that odd. Uh, <laughs> I don't find most things odd that a man his age would be reading a wrestling book. <laughs> so, of course, you know, me being Mr. Uh, Downer Conspiracy guy, <laughs> I say, so don't you think it's incredibly shitty uh, that? All these wrestlers, Hogan, Flair, they live in Florida, 
who else is there? There was Larry Sabisco. <laughs> well, these guys, they couldn't take two seconds out of their day from, you know, questioning how they ever thought the Sands was a good guy before he admits to CNN or whatever outlet he was sucking up to. When he said, yeah, the selection was one fair and square. <laughs> um, everyone voted uh, to make uh, hair sniffing on pubescent kids great again. <laughs> but so I'm against you know, encouraging that in you know, picture books. I don't like these Dick and Jane, you know, picture books uh, in our public schools. But America did vote to make hair stepping great again. So uh, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. So all these wrestlers, like that, they dealing with like a midlife crisis at the time, thinking like, how can I support DeSantis when he's just another rhino sounding piece of shit like the rest? But then again. Mean Gene's funeral was, I don't know, like five years ago. So they no fucking excuse not to attend Mean Gene Oakland's funeral. Then I got to hear from this guy, oh, well, maybe they didn't like him. Well, what was there not to like? He was one of the boys. He hung out with them. The fact that you know a Mean Gene comes up to my hip could actually match drink for drink to whether it be anyone. Arn Anderson, you know, Jake the Snake back in the day, forget about it. So, and. I think that these wrestlers didn't like how you know Mean Gene became a recognizable celebrity on his own, and you know didn't have to suffer from uh, steroid shrinkage dick to achieve that level of fame. <laughs> I don't know. It makes me think of like those basketball players today that they can't like I don't know Richard Jefferson is that his name. Uh, they can't handle it when, especially like a white man, criticizes their play. Like those, said, "Well, you never play the game, so you don't know what you're talking about." Okay, well, you know, a lot of movie critics have never directed a movie, but you know, they could s still express what they like and what they don't like, and. I wanted to like say something like meaningful about you know showing Mean Gene no respect, and I thought I'd find some funny, but like I'm not even close to identifying the funny. I mean, it's just depressing. I mean, Mean Gene was a staple growing up. He was on TV all the time, and you know a lot of these legacies happen because of Mean Gene. Did they really resent the fact that they had interviews with Mean Gene? I mean, the performers, what they live for. So, that annoyed me. Almost as much as learning that Bill Murray was a complete dick to Adam Sandler and Chris Farley when he was hosting SNL. It's like, hey, Bill, Ghostbusters was great. Groundhog Day had its moments, but let's not act as if you banged out Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore out of your ass with what felt like less than two years 
Uh, and you also didn't do Fletch. <laughs> but poor Tommy Boy. <laughs> and you know, Rob Schneider says, well, he was nice to me. Well, that's because he wasn't jealous of you. <laughs> but Sandler's song about Farley is really touching. He's also got a great song. It's really nice, sweet about his wife called. I think the song is I Want to Grow Old With You, I think. I think it's a song from... It's a song from The Wedding Singer. But I think he modernized it and updated it on his wife. I find it comical that someone of Adam Sandler's stature could still get bothered by uh, disparaging reviews on, on Rotten Tomatoes, which he references in the song. So I find that comical. Personally, I think he should get over it. <laughs> You're Adam Sandler, for Christ's sake. But I get it. So at some point, I'm going to get interesting again. <laughs> and I'm going to perform the Eulogy Ghostwriter in honor of Mean Jane. And who knows? Uh, maybe sometime down the line, I actually use my brain to imagine a eulogy that I would give in honor of Mean Jane at his funeral. Well, referencing all these wrestlers that he helped make household names, and then I'm like, I'm spanning the crowd and I'm referencing like Ultimate Warrior and Hogan and no one's there. <laughs> and then I just go off script and I start making fun of the wrestlers and <laughs> saying how like they're nothing without me and Gene. And that's something that I would like to do, but that requires some more research and time. And I gotta be honest, Wife just came back from Delaware. I'm blaming this pink tie-dye shirt for stripping me of all funny whatsoever. <laughs> but it looks cool. My kids made tie-dyes. I can't complain. It's a lot better than uh, my mom looking after my kids once a year and pooping out a hard suck. So <laughs> not going to complain one iota. And yeah, so I've been applying final edits to the Coachterian comedians. Adding a chapter here and there, by adding meaning deciding to add a chapter, not like writing a chapter from scratch. But you know, I'm always writing. These past couple of days, I've taken a a break to get this book in order because I want it out already. So really, the ultimate editing decision is setting. Okay, so how much of your gay side do you want to reveal, and how much uh, negative data dumpage energy? And there was your father, do you want to incorporate into your manuscript exactly? <laughs> and the other editing decision is, so do you want a pussyfoot or just let it all hang out? <laughs> and be as flamingly gay about your <laughs> uh, dickish prose <laughs> as you want to be. So so that's that. And along the way, uh, you know, going through my manuscript and I came across uh, this old story when I discovered this English muffin. 
I didn't realize we had English muffins left. And I said, my son, Arthur Morrison Cornbluth, how uh, this English muffin reminds me of a time where my lushy alcoholic tendencies prevented him from dying a, a premature death. <laughs> so I said, sorry, Arthur, one time I went to Fire Island with an old work bud. It wasn't a complete Long Island hack like the rest. When I used to sell online ads for City Search in Manhattan, our primary target audience was gay men who went on City Search to search for who gave the best facial. <laughs> I had just met mommy. We weren't in a committed monogamous relationship yet. And my son says, What's monogamous, daddy? And I say, Decoupling in reverse. <laughs> I was semi seeing this Filipino girl at the time who co owns a restaurant in the city. She showcased way too much upper gum for my taste, but she was the first one I ever did phone sex with because of her instigating encouragement. And my son says, What's phone sex, daddy? And I say, Kama Sutra talk without getting naked <laughs> yet. So there's no harm in it, really, assuming you have her consent to give her endless dick over the phone, that is. <laughs> Still, she pushed me, this girl, to write a family guy spec during one of my brooding moods after asking point blank, what's going to make you happy? And I said, writing a family guy spec. So I wouldn't feel like such a ineffectual jerk-off outside of what sporadic laughs I was getting throughout the open mic stages throughout uh, lower Manhattan outside of a semi-reliable open at the time which was so far my claim to fame was an appearance on the reality show Blind Date but in the end all I got out of it was a free meal and herpes and my son says what's herpes and I say way worse than long COVID <laughs> next question and just when you think you're in the clear, it keeps breaking out from within. Pacino lives. Holla! Could be a record. 14 minutes in, no holla. Holla! Thank you very much! Yeah, so back to Fire Island. I made avocado toast on a toasted English muffin with melted Munster and, and turkey bacon on it. And all the Yenta press from Yenta Breath Country in Long Island went hog wild over it. All of a sudden, I felt like Jerry Seinfeld minus the career, which reminds me, Yenta Breath just auctioned off one of his Porsches for charity. I only hope half the proceeds went to Larry's kids. So for the first time on Far Island, I was feeling semi-cocky. Already had some good living under my belt after living in L.A. for a bit. You know, and at the time, I didn't miss driving in L.A., but I did miss Roadhead. Son says, what's Roadhead? I said, primo pole position. All the way! Sinatra lives. Holla! Thank you very much. One time. 
I did a drug at the Comedy Cellar and addressed a banger pretty NYU girl sitting close to the stage with, did you just call shotgun? And the crowd screamed, touchdown, holla, prime time, prime time. Thank you very much. Yeah, so I wasn't married to any one fun hole just yet. My days of being a slut in a straitjacket hadn't happened because I didn't get mommy pregnant by mistake yet. Son says, how did you get mommy pregnant by mistake? I say, by being a stoner who forgot to ask if she were on the pill. Or was it from me being too much of a chicken shit in a post-feminist world to inquire about whether the pill still made her nauseous? Or not, which is code for Run for the hills. Run for your life. If you don't love the bitch, Allah made and lives. Thank you very much. So I hit on this beautifully sexy gal on Fire Island who's sunbathing all by herself. Ooh la la. Rub a dub dub doosh. Doosh. She was a better stack, prettier face, Phoebe Cates with longer, luscious hair than the sexless dyke cut she sported in Gremlins too. All the Yenta breasts surrounding us got their panties in a bunch over the new big-headed hebe in town. Eagles live. Holla! Heading on a far sexier Barbara Stanwyck in the making without breaking a sweat because girls are sexy are normally dating some alpha man jock who lettered in three varsity sports, which I didn't, who most likely didn't run down the basketball court in high school, looking like he was sporting high heels instead of high tops. At the same time, I didn't know that she just broke up with her boyfriend. Chances are he banged her hotter friend because guys are scumbags like that, always interested in doing the next best thing! Zivon lives. So I bump into her on the dance floor at some random bar later that evening. We grind on the dance floor. As I flex my magic mic love stand behind her love buns to Moby, from what I recall. I'm also on incredibly strong E and have been drinking for five hours straight, which is a blackout combo waiting to happen. Sun says, what's a blackout? I said, your southern hick DNA sabotaging your chances of getting laid again. <laughs> Eventually, she says, would you like to take a walk by the beach? And I follow her lead. Shit, I would have followed her into a glory hole at a Chicago bathhouse during Arafat Appreciation Month. And my son says, what's a glory hole? And I say, Russian roulette with your dick. Dice lives. Holla. Thank you very much. So we sit in the sand together, but now I'm lightheaded. So I recline back in the sand to look up at the stars and I feel a bump. She says, did you just pass out on me? <laughs> I can't believe we came that close to fucking. And that's how my crazy hick DNA prevented your premature death, kid. <laughs> crazy hick DNA lives, but endlessly wrong. Produced. Endlessly right in you, kid. Endlessly wrong. Produces. Endlessly right. Holla. Endlessly wrong. Produces. Endlessly right. Worth repeating. Holla. Fuck you very much. The 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 the
now we're going to pay homage to the late great Mean Gene Okerlund and perform a star-studded chapter edition to Waste the Height Really Short Stories, the eulogy ghostwriter. Doodle Dad had a bit in his old stand-up comedy act called Wise Black Grandma. That's what that's how he would name the bit in his uh, killer set list <laughs> that he would email to himself. Remember before he performed to his email address, killerset at gmail.com. Holla! The eulogy ghostwriter. Thank you very much. So do it all dad had a bit in his old stand-up comedy now called Wise Black Grandma. Where he'd say, if I could do it again, I would have subbed my no-show whiny Jewish grandma for wise black grandma to fill in her place at my wedding instead. <laughs> Post an ad on Craigslist. Wise black grandma needed for a wedding in Woodstock. Tyler Perry impersonators are welcome, but must be comfortable performing in front of white audiences only. <laughs> Growing up, do it all that. Grew up fondness, teetering on full-blown love for his substitute grandpa Ed. Who exuded the furry brown, warm-hearted, wiser glint you'd expect from a retired Jewish estate tax lawyer from Queens in his buttoned-up, neatly woven sweaters and whiff of well-put-together aftershaves. <laughs> Coming a grandpa doesn't make you turn to Santa Claus overnight. Yet Grandpa Ed is substitute grandpa, whom his Jewish grandma Ethel had remarried soon after the death of her first husband, Murray, would shell out an always neat, crisp $5 bill for the grandkid who found the apikomen, which is the half-broken piece of matzah that little Jewish kids go looking for after dinner for Passover. While dreaming of Becoming hackers so they could steal all the source code to blockchain technology. <laughs> it was a nice, cheer-filled touch to celebrate the Jewish people's liberation from slavery in honor of God's hardcore divine intervention years on the behalf of his chosen people, who were meant to become cosmic perfectionist lovers of TV who lived to complain in restaurants about unrecognized, immediate, hurried-upon service on their behalf. <laughs> now Grandpa Ed had a grandson from his first marriage. Yeah, you didn't get that distinct impression based on the eulogy. Uh, Doodle Dad delivered on his grandpa's behalf back then. And Roger, his real grandson, was built as the really smart one because he played chess and wore plenty of turtlenecks, which gives you 10 extra IQ points easy. Reminds me of an old joke, my first year stand-up. I hate myself for not remembering her name. She was so sweet, and she had a great laugh. He's an editor for MGM. She's Latino. I see this uh, this earring on the tongue. It's a little bit curvy, but yeah, she was a pretty face. And I don't think I've been with a Latino girl at that point. She's from Mexico originally. Still perfect English. And smart. Great laugh. And so she's the first uh, girl that ever that would encourage me to like the choker. You know, in bed. So they sewed her a turtleneck. <laughs> Not bad for my first year of stand up. Holla! First year of stand up. Thank you very much. <laughs> and then my asshole roommate Shay made a fat comment, and I remember her hearing that, and that like killed her. She left me this like, really nice like, love note once. And 
Yeah, I even broke up with this girl, Melissa, prior. I used to sell wine at that point, and I used to sample convert meter off of her snatch, and I really got into it. I mean, there was nothing gay about this. I wasn't thinking about cock. I mean, I was just really enjoying her pussy. And Melissa had a fucking body. I mean, she had tits. From in the end, I mean, most girls from in the end look the same, but, you know, she was sexy, and I enjoyed eating that pussy big time. She had great tits. And even back then, wasn't working. It was like before blind date. And I was just writing. I just wrote all the time. I just wrote poetry for the chicks or, you know, jokes or spec scripts. I just, I mean, it just blows my mind. I mean, I'm freaking 47 right now. I mean, this was what? At this point, I'm like 26. So, Alexa, what's 47 minus 26? 21 years ago. Okay. It feels like yesterday. So anyway. Yeah. So I'm banging Melissa. And then I met this Latino gal at a coffee shop in West Hollywood. And I lived in like the Valley. So I think I saw a movie there and I was, I was, it was like a Saturday night. So like I'm working and that's when we met. And again, like you meet the next best thing and I don't know, we exchanged numbers and we went out and she was into like the real, like, you know, physical kinky play. And all of a sudden like the white girl from Indiana was like boring and, and lame and I just wanted out. Meanwhile she moved into a new apartment in West Hollywood. It was a great location and we could have fucked over every inch of that place, but I don't know. <laughs> Not here for my audience to determine whether I'm hundred percent gay or just like eighty percent. So we'll just we have to shrink when I eventually afford that person in my life. Let's get back to the story. So uh we're talking about Roger, that piece of shit. Talking about Grandpa Ed. And yeah, so Grandpa Ed was dead now, and Roger later went to Harvard, was supposed to be giving a heartfelt eulogy in honor of his biological grandfather, not his rebound one. This involved merely reading some boring-ass letter that his original wife wrote to Grandpa Ed to avoid any juicy details, such as the sweaty sex period after World War II, when she used to lick ice cream bonbons off his belly button. During those brutally hot summer queen's nights before Grandpa passed the bar, became a family estate tax lawyer, and could afford an AC unit of their own. <laughs> uh, this Failed to bring back any semblance of real deal connective feeling either. Eulogies really do separate the men from the ungrateful twats, such as Roger, who couldn't muster up a single original expressive remembrance of his dead biological grandfather who treated him like the second coming of Bobby Fisher. Eulogies would also reveal if Grandpa had raised a hunt for brains daughter too. Now, there's a good kind of goal and a bad kind of goal. Faye, Roger's clammy, insincere, peppy, patronizing, style-free, sumpy. Mother showcased the worst kind of gall when during her eulogy she went for the kishkas, meaning the intestines in Yiddish, by openly declaring permanent FU season when doodled that uh, grandma when she said what felt like manufactured dialed up invective times in uh, Google. I'm just glad that now dad can join mom in heaven. Hey now, <laughs> which was a low blow on par with mini me trying to know off Austin Powers nuts and the spy that shagged me. Now, in the limo ride to the gravesite, Faye asked little dad, a 20-year-old college junior at the time, who was banging Katie King. Oh, Katie King. That was not thinking about cock. Most when your insides into. You didn't write the eulogy, did you? That's what Faye says. The comfort brain's daughter. And uh, little dad at 20 years old says, no, my mom wrote it for me, Faye. Faye almost stutters and says, well, I just thought the 20-year-old little dad adds, you thought what, Faye? That I hired a eulogy ghostwriter with the busboy tip money I earned this summer in Cape Cod? 
My eulogy was well received by the rabbi because it sprang from my heart, Faye. Regardless if Grandpa Ed was my rebound grandpa or not, he still treated me like I was his own grandson, worthy of his wisdom and love. I recall him telling me how to place my feet when using a seven iron once, which is more than my own dad ever taught me, besides half form hook shot or get out of the fucking way for Carmine to take the last shot. Wasn't there anything Roger could have mentioned to honor his legacy outside of reading an old letter? I that his first wife wrote, no less. Reality is, your son Roger the genius is the one guilty of plagiarizing by stealing the memories contained in an old letter your mom wrote to fill in the lapse of having any soul night sermon to deliver on his own. And where do you get the gall to disrespect my grandmother at her dead husband's funeral, regardless if you feel that her endlessly manic bipolar art buying spree of Southwest American Indian art was responsible for draining his will to live one second longer either? Also, Jews come for brains. Focus on mitzvah and doing good for the sake of doing good here on earth without the intention of soul financial gain or promised hooked up afterlife in heaven. Well, since it's cleared if Grandpa Ed asked Jesus to forgive him for raising such a cunt for brains like yourself. Do I have a way with words, Faye, or what? But I'm positive, Roger. Son of cunt for brains will make an excellent food coloring chemist Johnson and Johnson to overcompensate for his color-free personality, which he could thank you for inheriting at your funeral too. That's for you, Mean Gene. Holla, Mean Gene lives. Ghost Rider eulogy, serenade supreme. Holla, serenade supreme. Mean Gene forevermore. Thank you. Oh. For the memories, Mean Gene, very, very much.